I'm, I'm always kind of reluctant when it comes to my own family sharing things like this, but I just felt I was to share this with you today uh, to challenge you in something because I want to talk to you about what is a very commonly neglected key to hearing the voice of God. And I want us to understand it. And if you guys in the back wouldn't mind, bring the lights up just a little. I want to be able to, to see everybody a little better this morning. Um, but it is a commonly neglected key to hearing the voice of God. I believe in this year of flourishing, it's a year that God is really wanting us to understand that we can hear His voice. You know, we're, we're bringing this whole focus of prayer right now. We've given this seven-day layout. I'm blown away every time I begin to pray, just the things God's stirring and awakening in my own heart. Um, but this last week, just something remarkable happened, and we were ministering in this church, and my daughter Faith um, had a word for somebody. And, you know, it's exciting when God speaks and stirs and confirms something. And she went to this lady, and she said, you know, does January 6th, is that date significant? I feel the Lord's saying that that's a significant date for you. And the lady kind of lit up, and she said, well, actually, that's my birthday. And not only is it my birthday, but there are three other family members that were born January 6th. So, yeah, it's a very significant day. And she said, uh, well, I just felt the Lord was asking me to share that date with you and tell you that a family member named Ashley has gone through a time of great brokenness, and God is bringing great restoration. I mean, it's just all these specific things that the Lord was just revealing. And the lady just was kind of beside herself because a family member named Ashley had just given birth to a stillborn child. And I just want to say this morning, everything aside, God really has called us to live beyond where we have understood that we could possibly live. There are things God wants to reveal. My prayer every single day this year over you, over us, over the church is that we will become, will you just receive it as I say this over you, more aware of the promptings of the Holy Spirit, more aware of the presence of God so that conversations become confirmations that God is having a chat with us all. He's a speaking God. I just felt really challenged that even this Tuesday morning, I'm to introduce something we're going to go into three or four months down the road as the Holy Spirit began giving me a strategy for it. And I'm going to share that. We're going to begin to pray into that well in advance before we preach into it. You know, we ought to really learn how to pray into things before we go. You take control of the airspace. Any, any military uh, tactical expression knows you have to take control of the airspace before you send in the ground troops. And it's a mistake just to go in as ground troops and not first take control of the airspace. And I'm speaking spiritually to you that we need to be praying for people that we're going to talk to. And after we've prayed for them, then we go have a conversation. God begins to awaken something in their heart. Amazing. Uh, Brian caught me in the, in the foyer, and yes, or I guess I'm not sure when his situation was. Mine was yesterday. The Lord put a person on my heart, and I sent them a message just to, to reach out to them. And Brian said that shortly before that, he had that person on his heart. That person had Brian on his heart. They both contacted each other uh, in the moment that God had stirred something in their heart to think of each other, and, uh, and ultimately it led to a conversation that was going to happen with me, and I'm then prompted to, I mean, do you understand, like, God just is in this stuff. 
He's in this stuff. Linda Potter, you've broken through into new dimensions in your life. And I just declare great breakthrough over you in Jesus' name. My daughters have been talking about what they see in you at, at, at school, in your classroom. And there is great place of breakthrough in your life and great place of breakthrough in many of our lives. We need to celebrate and declare it. Come on, why don't you just clap it in and declare it? In Jesus' mighty name. You just tell, when you, when you talk to Linda, you just say, what's up, Lizzy Joe Peasy? You'll understand, but we're going to have her show off her rapping abilities right here in the very near future, I tell you. <clears throat> Not much gets by me around here. So, uh, well, you know, we're in this season of learning how to pray. The disciples asked Jesus in Luke 11, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. That, that's my cry to God right now. Teach us to pray. I think when we start learning that God wants to, like, truly talk, <laughs> have a conversation. Last week, uh, we were in Dallas doing a conference and ministry there, and uh, Jalen Wilson was part of the crew. I took some of the youth over there. And as we were uh, down there uh, on the drive-in, apparently he was having a conversation in the van saying he, he knew what God was asking him to do, but he just wasn't sure how he was going to accomplish that financially. How many of you ever had financial stress before? And so even at a young age, this financial stress is there. Interestingly, we're in a place of worship, and the pastor's wife comes over and says this to him in front of all of us. I heard the Holy Spirit saying over you, money is not going to be a concern. I mean, it was amazing. I am telling you, that the world needs transformation, and they are not going to get transformation from a polished-up church experience. They're going to get transformation from the powerful church being awake in the body of Christ, where we're walking in a true revelation of Christ. That's what will truly change the world. People aren't looking for a, a clever religious experience. They really want to experience God like this. Like, if you go up and tell them their birthday, you're probably going to have their attention, whether they believe God or not. And I want us to understand today that there is a highly neglected component that I believe is a strategic key, key to hearing the voice of the Lord. Uh, and so, what we've, and we'll walk right into that together today, but what we've been going after and what I'm asking you, this is a season of growing in prayer, and my hope, my prayer, my belief is that this will become a lifestyle, not just a season, but it'll become a lifestyle for every one of us. So I'm asking you to turn on worship music when you wake up in the morning. Just begin to cultivate the, a greater awareness of the presence of God yourself in your house. Let's contend for this New Testament theology that God is calling us to. We're talking about a daily uh, prayer devotion focus, and we're all praying the same thing, the same scriptures. You can go on the blog. You'll see that on our church blog and get that. We've handed out publications. We've been trying to focus in on this. This is the way it lays out so far. Pastor Chris did a fantastic job last Sunday. I listened to his message on uh, bringing an element of revelation of Friday. Yeah, we thank God for the voices of this house. Why don't you help me celebrate that and give thanks? God brings fresh bread of revelation as we're hungry for Him. 
And so what we've looked at is we started with Monday, and we recognize that we only have 52 Mondays a year, and every Monday we want to have the mindset of new beginnings. It's a new beginning mindset. Not the world's mindset, oh God, it's Monday, but, but look what the Lord may do this week. Monday is a new beginning. Tuesday is the day we fight to create momentum, and we talked about how important that Tuesday is, even in the, the business world, how, how it's a day that, that businesses go to war. Press releases commonly happen on Tuesday. Wednesday is that day of tenacity. The world calls it hump day, but we do embrace tenacity and we continue to expect and express the momentum that God's bringing that week. Thursday, we fight again. It's a day of warfare, fighting to cooperate with that momentum. Friday, we understand what true life is all about. We don't just live for the weekend. Jesus didn't come and die so that we might have and enjoy the weekend. He, he lived and he died so that we might have and enjoy life, everyday life. Not just living for vacation, not just living for Friday, living every day on the purposes of God where we're being awakened to more of what he has in store. And today I want to talk to you about Saturday and the significance of rest and revelation. Highly neglected component, strategic key to really hearing the voice of God. The more stressed out you are and the more tense your busy schedule is, the less likely you are to pay attention to the whispers of God. Isaiah chapter 30 says that there is a still, small voice behind you. Now, the world around you tries to get big and loud in front of you, but God within you is like a still, small voice behind you. You have to learn to pay attention to the voice of God, and rest is clearly connected to Revelation. Hebrews chapter 4, let us therefore, this is verse 11, let us therefore make every effort, one translation says labor, to enter into that rest so that no one will fall by following the example of disobedience. This is all about rest. The next verse is all about Revelation. Which verse comes first? Rest. Rest precedes Revelation. Let us labor, let us fight, let us war to enter into rest. Verse 12, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. This is the order and the progression God has revealed in Scripture. He doesn't put anything in the Bible on accident. It's all there on purpose. It's all there on assignment. And we need to understand rest will make room for revelation. So the Sabbath, let's, let's just get a, an understanding of the Sabbath, New Testament believers. Technically, biblically, the Sabbath is sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. And I don't want us to get legalistic about what Sabbath is because in our world, I understand that can be redefined in different ways. But we can also use that as a justification for not obeying God. And we need to not do that. So I don't know what your Sabbath looks like, but you need to determine your Sabbath, and you need to let that be a consecrated, holy time as unto the Lord where you are replenishing. This is really important. Rest, recre- uh, rest restoration, recreation, which is recreation of yourself is all very important, vitally important to your overall well-being. God designed us, listen, God designed us to function productively for six days before we need to refuel. That's the design of God. We function productively for six days, and then we must refuel. We have to purpose time once a week to be refreshed, and purpose, is, purpose uh, uh, that whole thing is a part of the plan in order for us to really be at our best. Do you believe that? 
How many of you are already convicted? Raise your hand. We are not a society that's good at what I'm talking about. And I do realize, I understand, every family dynamic is very different. It looks different for every person. But my question simply is this, where is the consecrated space that is reserved as unto God where you are purposing that Sabbath time where He is ministering to you and you are entering in to a place of greater trust? Please write it in. It's your first blank today. It is dangerous to tamper with God's carefully engineered design. He created you. And then he gave you the rule book, the guide manual, uh, the Bible of really how you will function at a premium. I don't know if you know, but agriculturally, we know from science that fields yield a better crop if they will purpose downtime of the fields so that the dirt can replenish nutrients. In Bible days, that was clearly understood and was part of the plan. Not only do we need that replenishment, but that's all of God's creation. And the fields produce a greater harvest in the years that they are producing than they actually do if you just keep doing it consecutively. Overall, you have to trust God. How many of you know when we're talking about a consecrated space, we're talking about trusting God because we're wanting to get more done. But if we'll trust God and take a time of rest, do you understand God can accelerate your hours and your moments in the, in the days that you do have if you'll honor Him the way He tells you to? I don't know if you're hearing me or not in letting it really sink in, but you really need to embrace this because, because God is wanting to accelerate our productivity as we honor Him with a consecrated space where we're resting in Him. Agriculturally, we see that uh, clearly revealed. I want to encourage you in this, and I found this to be very intriguing, very interesting. The average sonic... Uh, grosses approximately a million dollars a year. They produce about a million a year in revenue. Average McDonald's, they outdo Sonic. They, they bring in about a million and a half revenue in a year. It's just a national average. Anybody know that one store that's not open on Sunday? How many of you have ever been to Chick-fil-A on Sunday and then you pulled up there and you're like, oh man, darn Christians, you know? <laughs> And so, like, they're closed on Sunday, and, uh, and they only function six days a week. So, McDonald's, functioning seven days a week, generates a million a year. I'm sorry, Sonic, functioning seven days a week, generates a million a year. McDonald's, functioning seven days a week, function, uh, generates 1.5 million a year. Average Chick-fil-A, functioning only six days a week, generates 2.5 million a year, both of those two combined. Yeah, you ought to just say, thank you, Lord Jesus. He honors his word. You, you can say what you want about margins and how that comes about, but I'm just telling you, somebody who started a business decided we're going to honor God, and they've been blessed because of it. And so have we, because, man, I love me some Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Purposing a sacred portion that is consecrated only to him, unlocks his blessing in amazing ways. Purposing. Do you believe this? Like this needs to be more than just a mere belief. It needs to truly be a conviction in our lives, the way we live our lives, with the resources of our lives, resources plural. 
You hear these stories of a family, uh, you know, having a $20,000 transaction that now can potentially become a six-figure transaction. Well, actually did. Last night became a six-figure transaction. Now potentially can become a seven-figure transaction. And it just so happens this was a few months after this person came to me and said, I, I repent to you, Pastor. We've not, bringing the tithe, we've not been bringing the tithe into the storehouse where we're spiritually covered and spiritually fed. And I know I can't, this is exactly what he said, I know I can't get God's blessing my way. I have to do it God's way. Isn't it interesting that all that unlocks in that person's life shortly after that? Do you think there might be a parallel, a correlation when we actually look at what the Bible says we ought to do, that we begin to honor and obey the Scripture and the kingdom of God gets unlocked in our lives and we begin to flourish like beyond our wildest imagination? Do you expect that this year? Because I do. I'm believing over you. I'm believing in every way, all the resources of your life. I'm not just talking about your finance. I'm talking about revelation in your life as we begin to bring that consecrated space before the Lord our God and we begin to hear his voice like never before. I'm just telling you, you're going to become more aware of the promptings of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God so that conversations become confirmations in your life in amazing ways that you're hearing the voice of God. God rarely gets the credit he deserves. You get those phone calls or you make those phone calls and the person says, man, you have no idea how much I needed that word. That's God. And that's going to increase more and more and more. Lord, help us not just to come in and have a little motivational speech. Help us to embrace that. Help us to embrace what you're wanting to reveal. Lord, we're just open to your convicting us in whatever way you need to bring loving conviction from our Heavenly Father who has this passionate desire to see us become flourishing sons and daughters so that the kingdom of God will expand in mighty, amazing, and supernatural ways. In Jesus' name, amen. If you agree with that and receive it over your own life, say amen. That's a so be it declaration. So be it. It's coming. It takes discipline to prioritize a consecrated lifestyle with the resources of our lives. Do you agree with that? It takes discipline to do what I'm talking about. It takes discipline to rest. It takes discipline to tithe. It takes discipline for marriages to have a date night. It takes discipline to have these consecrated spaces that enrich our lives in powerful and profound ways. And I'm just going to tell you something. This was something I just felt the Lord was saying very clearly to me. And, and you, need to, you need to hear this. I want to expose a lie common lie. And I hear this all the time. I've been pastoring here for a few years, and this is a common conversation, probably happens at least once a year. Somebody comes to me and they say something like this, you know, when things change and my life gets better, then I'm going to... It's just not true. The Bible doesn't say that he who has a little will be faithful after he's given much. The Bible says he who is faithful with little will be given much. In other words, you can't wait for your life to change and things to get better before you're going to start really engaging in what God's called you to engage in. What you do is you take what you have and do the best with what you got so that he sees your faithfulness and that's what unlocks the next dimension of what God's calling us to walk into. It's just the Bible. Uh, I'll give you an illustration of how this lie never works. I, I remember um, when there began to be major technological advancement in the technology industry. It's kind of crazy, but the iPhone hasn't been around all that long. Um, and I remember when I was in college, like the Commodore 64 was the awesome computer. And, you know, we were coming into this computer age. Some of you guys have no idea what that really even is. But I remember when, you know, first like home computers started happening and the 
technology industry started promising this technological utopia that's just over the horizon. Anybody remember this? There's a technological utopia coming just over the horizon where we're going to be technologically leveraged in such a way that we'll be able to cut our work days in half because we'll accomplish in four hours what we'll be able to accomplish in eight. Just get ready for it. It's coming. It was, it was the days of George the Jet, uh, George Jetson's three-hour button-pushing workday that really did look like a reality. I've got a picture of George, if we can put George up there. Oh, George, there he is, just three hours a day, getting his workday in, and he's got his career going on. And like this was the mindset of society as they were hearing this promise. But what has happened today is that we have become more stressed about our leveraged schedules with our increased capacity. Everybody today can accomplish more in four hours than anybody 40 years ago could have accomplished in eight hours, and it has not alleviated one ounce of stress. The reason is because even when your life gets better, you are still who you are at the core of your life. Your life is significantly attached to you. The circumstances of your life, they are connected to the decisions that you make. Your decisions determine your destiny. So start to make some new decisions and increase the way before your path, declaring God's kingdom is at hand. Distracted resources hijack your destiny. Distracted resources, they simply hijack your destiny. Here's here's the way I want to say it. Wasting time, this is your next blank, wasting time and wasting money on things that have no eternal value keep you from investing time and investing money in things that produce an eternal reward. Wasting time and money on things that have no eternal value keep you from investing time and money on things that produce an eternal reward. And, and I know this will sound kind of wild, but again, I'm, I'm talking to you about how rest releases revelation. One of the greatest enemies to effective ministry in your everyday life is a busy schedule. It is hard to produce the fruit of the Spirit when you're stressed out on your last nerve. I was in one of the books that I've written, I I quote this research that happened on a university campus with these theology students. And um, it was interesting. They took two, two groups, and they told them the same thing. They, they told them in, in one group, they divided into, into two in that group as well. But, so you've actually got four, two groups of two. And they, they took one group, and they said, look, we want you to teach a class And the class is a 10-minute walk to the building across the campus. And it's going to start in about two hours. And we want you to, they took half of them and said, we want you to teach on the Good Samaritan. Theology students, Good Samaritan is the person who's on their way, and they see someone in distress, and they stop to help. 
And then they told someone else, you have, in two hours, you have teach this class, and I want you to go to that class, and you can teach on some other theology topic. It's not the Good Samaritan. And then they sent them on their way, and between the two buildings, they had purposed and staged a human in distress. That was actually the depiction of the message that the Good Samaritan people were going to bring. They had two hours, ten minutes. And then they took the other half, and they did the same thing. Two groups of that half. And they said, there's a ten-minute walk. You've got 20 minutes. And you all are going to talk about the Good Samaritan, and you all are going to talk about theology, whatever the other theological topic is. Nothing to do with Good Samaritan. So go ahead. You know what they found? It didn't matter what they were talking about. The people that had two hours consistently stopped to help the person that was in distress. And the people that had 20 minutes, even though they were on their way to talk about the importance of helping people on your path that are in distress, they didn't stop to help the person in distress because they had something they had to do. See, the way we structure our lives (laughs) has a profound impact on how we translate our beliefs into behavior. The way we structure our lives. If society and the culture in which you and I live has determined how you're going to live your life, how you're going to spend your money, how you're going to spend your time, how you're going to look at family, then you have missed the mark and you've structured your life culturally and it's hard to live life biblically when your life is mirroring culturally what the culture has told you. Purpose consecrated portions of your life to Him. Honor the Sabbath, whatever that looks like for you. Because God wants to speak some things to us. God wants to awaken some things within us. We don't have this figured out. We're, I have more questions than I have answers at this point. But I will tell you this. Uh, we're stepping into Easter's going to lead us into a focus of what it is to have faith in action. We're talking about prayer, and then we're going to step into a season of faith in action. And we're working now on how to cultivate weekly rhythms of making a daily difference in people's lives. And we're going to talk about that. Really, the church being the church. And after that will come Mother's Day. And following Mother's Day is Pentecost Sunday. And on Pentecost Sunday, something profound is to be released in this place of our relationship with the Holy Spirit and what that really means. And we're going to come into a season of exploring what Paul meant when he wrote to the Corinthian church. May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Every one of us. Come on, let's stand. Do you believe this year is a year that God wants to increase the revelation in your life? Do you believe this is a year that God wants to awaken the plans and the purposes of God that have eternal value in this temporal world in which you and I live? This is a year God wants to take you beyond the temporal perspectives that hold you back and thrust you forward into a place of an eternal disposition where you're actually walking in daily conversation with God. The Bible actually says in 1 John 2, anyone who claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. Jesus simply said, I only do what I see my Father in heaven doing. In other words, I'm engaged in the eternal plan of God on the earth, and I'm just here to walk that out. I'm not giving you a motivational speech I'm talking to you about what God is saying to you. 
I discerned it well in advance. That's just the way we ought to function as the New Testament church. I've prayed about, sought the Lord. Can't wait for next Sunday. I already have a sense of what that's supposed to be. God's trying to get our attention, and He's trying to awaken a rhythm that begins to produce something powerful and profound and eternal in every one of our hearts and lives. So when you get the seven-day layout, you'll find Saturday. And Saturday is a day where we understand it's about the rhythm of rest. And the rhythm of rest produces the rhythm of revelation in a stronger realm in your life. So we just embrace, Lord, what Saturday is supposed to be. You've called us, God, to walk out seven days in a progression. It's your plan, not ours, and we're here in this plan. And so we declare that we will learn what it is in Psalms chapter 2, verse 11, to worship God in an adoring embrace. Will you just worship God in this adoring embrace? Let Him embrace you. Let Him bend down, take hold of you, and change, break off of your life as you just embrace the Lord your God. On that Saturday declaration, it says, may we know Him more intimately so we can serve Him more completely as we encounter our God. Psalms 112, verse 6, beautiful verse of Scripture. These are great Sabbath verses. God's constant care of us will make a deep impression on all who see it. Psalms 112, verse 6, God's constant care. He is caring for you now. Your action point today is the expression of Saturday, purpose to do something relaxing and enjoyable with family and friends. Welcome to Sabbath. It's great. It's like, it's recess. How many of you wish you could have recess, even like past grade school? I'm all for recess, man. You were born for recess, baby. You were born for recess. Go out and play. I want you to hear this, because some people in this room need to give their life to Jesus today. If you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to understand something about who He really is. Not who you've been told He was, but who He really is. This is, this is going to rub religion wrong, what I'm about to tell you. There's a little boy, and he did something really bad. And his dad knew about it. And he was waiting for his son to come to him. He could have just rushed in and, and really brought about consequence, disciplined him, but he waited. He let the boy carry his wrong. How many of you know when you do something wrong, you're carrying that? And you need that to be released. And the boy, under complete distress, having thought about it enough for the whole day, that evening came to his dad, and he was crying. And he said, Dad, I have to tell you what I did. They had just eaten dinner, sat around the table, a little bit of daylight left, he said, i tell you what I did. And he starts crying. And his, and his dad looked at his son. He said, son, thank you for being honest about your mistake. I love you. Now go out and play. Yes. And that little boy ran out of the house and told all of his friends what an amazing daddy he had. God loves you. Now go out and play. You can't help but tell people about that Jesus. That's the real God. That's the real Jesus. Come on, that's the Father in heaven. He's trying to draw us in. 
The fall of Adam and Eve produced the sin of humanity, and the Father is waiting for us to come into His presence and say, I'm sorry for this mistake. I'm carrying the burden of sin. I want to be liberated. I want to be set free. If that's you today, then I want you to lift both your hands, and we are going to pray in agreement that this Jesus who came to liberate your life and liberate all humanity, He did so that we might be set free. Come on, let's pray this prayer. Say it with me. Lord Jesus, You came. You lived. You died. But You're alive. You came that we might have life because the Father loves us. Now we'll go out and play. We'll tell all our friends about the gracious love of God. Come on, let's celebrate this gracious love of God right now. We celebrate this gracious love of God. He's a good, good Father.